0: Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. <clears throat> Last week I talked about how I, Jesus uh, makes everything better by leading us from failure to success in our life. And today, I'm going to talk about how Jesus leads us from guilt to forgiveness. Now, if you have your Bibles with you, you're welcome to turn to Luke chapter 5. That's what I'll be uh, going over today, Luke chapter 5. But before we get into that, I kind of want to go back a little bit Because I came across something very interesting related to something I had said last week. If you recall in uh, verses 4 and 5, Jesus told Simon to go back out into the water and cast the nets. And and Simon had told him, you know, Master, we, we, we worked all night long and caught nothing but at your word I'm gonna drop the net down he had been fishing all night and didn't catch a single fish and Jesus told him to go back to that spot and some I mentioned last week that sometimes we need to return to our place of failure Charles Spurgeon <clears throat> has something very interesting to say about this that I, I really liked and I wanted to share with you today. He wrote, tell me where you lost the company of Christ. You ever been with Christ? You, you're walking with the Lord and you're with him and every day is great and then, and then some, one day you realize you're far from God. Is everything okay, Marcos? We need to be quiet in church, okay, bud? Thank you. Tell me where you've lost the company of Christ, and I will tell you the most likely place to find him. Have you lost Christ in the closet by restraining prayer? Not praying as you ought then it is there you must seek and find him. Did you lose Christ by sin? You will find Christ in no other way but by giving up on the sin and seeking by the Holy Spirit to mortify that member in which lust dwells. Did you lose Christ by neglecting the scripture, not reading the Bible like you ought? Well, you must find Christ in the scriptures It is a true proverb, look for a thing where you dropped it, and it is there. So look for Christ where you lost him, for he has not gone away. It is hard to go back for Christ. It's better not to lose Christ at all, because it is hard to go back for Christ. John Bunyan, in his book, Pilgrim's Progress, told about the pilgrim Who had lost his way. He was on the path that God had set for him, and he lost his way, and he had to go back to the place where he had dropped the scroll, which was the Bible. He had left his Bible at a place of rest, and he had to go all the way back. And, And going back was the hardest work he had ever traveled. 20 miles onward is easier than to go 1 mile back for lost evidence. <clears throat> we definitely don't want to lose Christ in our lives, but if if we do, we need to go back to that place. Where we last saw Jesus in our lives. Verse 17 uh, from chapter 5. On one of those days, while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem, and the Lord's power to heal was in him. Just then some men came carrying on a mat a man who was paralyzed. This man could not walk at all, Marcos. So his buddies carried him on a litter to Jesus. And they couldn't get to where Jesus was. Jesus was in a house. They couldn't get to where he was. So you know what they did? Do you know what they did? Buried him. I hope not. He was still alive. He was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. They wanted to get to Jesus. He was in a house. They couldn't get to him because of all the crowds. So what do you think they did? Doctors couldn't heal him. Only Jesus could heal him. What they did was they climbed on top of the house and tore a hole in the roof and then lowered their friend into that hole. Can you imagine Jesus is sitting in the house, and he's teaching, and in the house is full of people, and outside the house, there's crowds peering through the windows, and the door trying to hear, just trying to catch every word that Jesus has to say, and he's talking, and there's, there's some noise Like scratching on top of the roof. And suddenly a beam of light pierces through. Maybe it's right in front of Jesus where he's standing and and it hits the ground, and and everybody, and, and so people look up and they see that some idiots are tearing a hole. And a, and a perfectly good roof. But Jesus was impressed. They lowered their friend down through this hole. Why? So their friend, their buddy, that's good friends, by the way. Their buddy could have an interaction with Jesus and, ho- and hope that Jesus would heal him. Mm. Where well, there's a will, there's a way. His friends were desperate that, that his friend their friend would meet Jesus and, and they made it happen. They made it happen. Sometimes, if you really want to find Jesus, you're going to make it happen. Nothing's going to stop you. Nothing's going to get in your way. Not friends, not family, not distractions of this world, not temptations, none of that stuff. You want to find Jesus. You want to be with Jesus. You want to follow him and do what's right. You want to wake up every morning with joy in your heart and not that sickness that you feel from the guilt because you know there's sin in your heart where there's a will there's a way but just the opposite where there's always where there's not a will there's always an excuse proverbs says the lazy man says oh there's a lion out in the streets i don't want to go out there's danger There's always an excuse. Pastor Daryl, I know I should be doing. Just fill in the blank. I've heard it all. I know I should. What have I said? You want a successful Christian life, there's three things you gotta do every day. Can anybody recite those to me? Robert, read, pray, and obey. You get the gold star today, buddy. Read the Bible, talk to God, and whatever He tells you to do, do it. But there's always an excuse. Oh, I got busy, Pastor Deere, I've been this or that. Why, why is there always a reason? Because there's not really a will. You don't want to do it bad enough. People have told me. You know, time and again, oh, I know I should have devotions. I know I should spend time with God, but I just, I'm so busy. And then I tell them, that's not true. Because if I offered you a million dollars to have devotions every day for a year, you would make it happen. See, it's not time, it's priority. What's important to you is not important to you. And so they lower this guy down before Jesus. Verse 20, seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Their faith. How do, how do, you know, we see their faith too, by the way. Their faith wasn't some mystical thing that only Jesus... Could. We we're going to talk about how Jesus could see in people's hearts. He could, he could hear their thoughts. He knew what they were thinking. But he saw their faith. How did he see their faith? That giant hole in the, in the, in the ceiling. Because they, they believed in something and that drove an action. I believe in God, so I'm going to do something about it. And, and other people are going to think, I'm nuts. I'm off. The world, by the way, is going to think you're a little off. Oh, don't become a Bible thumper. It's okay for you to have a little bit of religion and be spiritual. That's a big buzzword now. Be sp- I'm spiritual. But don't become a holy roller. Don't become a fanatic. Don't start trying to live by certain standards. faith. You see faith. And and by the way, their faith, what did their faith result in? His sins being forgiven. Jesus saw this paralyzed man, believed. And faith is what is is what the part we play in our sins being forgiven. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I, I believe if I ask you to forgive me, that you can and will forgive me and make my heart clean. And so I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask you, Lord, please forgive me for all the bad I did. The sins forgiven you. Jesus knew that this man's heart. Notice he didn't heal him first, he forgave him first. Because that was really his primary concern. I kind of wonder if this paralyzed man was like Peter earlier in the chapter. Remember when Peter realized that Jesus was not some normal guy? What did he do? He fell down and he said, please depart from me. For I'm a sinful man. Peter was—he knew his heart was black and he didn't deserve to be in Christ's presence. And I kind of wonder if this man was saying the same thing. I don't deserve this. I'm a sinner. But Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Amen? That's the most important. That is more important than the healing. A man can, can go through life without the use of his legs and do just fine. A man cannot survive eternity with sin on his account. Verse 21, then the scribes and Pharisees began to think, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive sins but God alone? And yes, that's the point. Only God can forgive sins. But for perceiving their thoughts, you know Jesus knows our hearts. You can can walk the walk and talk the talk and, and, and go through all the motions and say the right words and even say amen now and then and praise the Lord and maybe testify to how God has helped you and encourage you and may throw some money in the offering box and, and dress modestly and do all this stuff on the outside, and you can fool me. I'm not omniscient, I'm not all knowing. You can fool me, but you can't fool Jesus. If your heart's not with it, God's gonna know you're a fake. And it's not me that you're going to be standing in front of someday. It won't be me that you're standing in front of to be accountable, held accountable for your life. It'll be Jesus, the one who knows your heart. You have a question? It sounds like a good question. Go ahead and ask it. Yes, you do. Yeah, everybody at some point after they die is going to go is going to experience two things. Either they'll they'll go before Jesus, and and and, and your name is going to be in the Lamb's Book of Life, where you surrender your life to Him and you follow after Him, and 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 Jesus is going to you're going to see Him, and He's going to bless you, and, and 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 we'll be singing together in heaven, and it'd be wonderful. We don't know what heaven is like. We know it's going to be an amazing place. We have some idea what it's like, but really nothing, really. And then there are those who are not right with God, those who reject God. They're going to stand before Jesus, but Jesus will be judging them. And the Bible says books are opened because records are made for every person's life. And a person will be judged according to what's in those books. And if the person's name is not in the Lamb's Book of Life, that person will get sentenced to hell. That's the reality of it. Receiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, Why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or say, Get up and walk. But, verse 24, So you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus had a purpose in this. He wanted everyone to know that he... Was God. There be no doubt. There are some people who say. Oh Jesus was a good man. But he wasn't God. A good teacher. But he wasn't God. And the reality is. We have only three choices. That he either was a liar. Or he was crazy. Or he was in fact. God. But we can't, no one can honestly say, based on what Jesus, based on Jesus' own words, can honestly say that he was a good man, but he wasn't God. Then he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately he got up before before them, picked up what he'd been lying on, and went home glorifying God. I bet he did. He probably skipped and jumped and ran and leaped and somersaulted and cartwheeled. He was so excited. Verse 26, And everyone was astounded and they were giving glory to God and they were filled with awe And said, we have seen incredible things today. Praise the Lord, Jesus. Jesus leads us from guilt to forgiveness. He heals, he helps. Do you need a touch from the Lord today? He can provide that. And in verse 27 here, Jesus, we see how Jesus leads from old to new. Jesus leads from old to new. Uh, verse 27, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. That's Matthew, by the way. Said to him, follow me. Uh, first, before I, before I get further into this, I want to point out the tax collectors were the most hated people in Israel. They were working for the enemy. They were considered traitors. <clears throat> the, uh, during uh, World War II Germany, when the Nazis rounded up all the Jewish people and put them into a ghetto area, to, to control them. They, they hired uh, men from the Jewish communities to become police officers for the Nazis. And they were very much despised and hated by the German Jewish people. And so here there's this man named Levi. He had his job, but people hated him for it. And, and a lot of tax collectors, not only do they hate you because you worked for the enemy, but because you tended to cheat people, and there was almost nothing anybody could do about it. You steal from them, you tell them that they owe more than they really do, and you keep the rest for yourself. And Jesus looked at him and said, follow me. Jesus had a, a parable of uh, a, a, two men praying. And one man, the priest, the, the religious person, was praying and saying, God, I'm so glad I'm not like that tax collector over there praying. I do all these great things for you. And, and the tax collector, Jesus said, was praying and crying and couldn't even look up to heaven, just beating his chest with his hands saying, Be merciful to me, a sinner, in complete humility. There's one uh, Bible uh, series that, that had Jesus telling that parable with Levi nearby that Levi was the one that Jesus was talking about and Levi just sitting there with tears down his face. I kind of like to believe that. It's not in the Bible, but I kind of like to believe that it was very much a possibility because Jesus knows the hearts of of us all, right? So here's this man who's, who's a sinner And Jesus said to him, follow me. You know that's all you have to do? That's all you have to do is just follow Jesus. Follow wherever he takes us. And so leaving everything behind like the other disciples did, he got up and began to follow him. What is holding you back from following Christ? There's always something. But these guys were, were done. They were finished with, with the life they had led, and they just left everything behind to follow Jesus. When I was 17, I decided to to I decided to live in life my own way. was not working out very well. And I knew God was calling me to this Bible college in Cincinnati, Ohio. I lived in Phoenix at the time. So thousands of miles away. I was 17. First time away from home. And my friend drove me to the airport, Ryan. Ryan passed away years ago from leukemia. But Ryan and my best friend Mel were with me. And they were taking me to the airport. And and honestly, I I started to cry. I was a little scared. I wasn't sure what the future held. I just knew God wanted me there. That's all I knew. And so I left my friends. And I had to, by the way. I was talking to uh, Brother Avery this week. and, and, And we were talking about that time. And I said, I had to leave Phoenix. Because all my friends, were, most of my friends, were either gang members or stoners. I had to leave. I had to be away from that environment. And the Lord, long story short, long story as in the 30 year story, almost 30 years now, here I am. Right here. Serving the Lord. And I wouldn't change it, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Verse 29, then Levi hosted a grand banquet for him at his house. Levi had a party for Jesus. Now there was a large crowd of tax collectors, and he invited all his buddies, a large crowd of tax collectors and others who were guests with him. He invited all his friends. A pretty rough crowd. But the Pharisees, these are the religious people, and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? See, they believe a good, a good follower of God did not mingle with anybody who was a sinner. And there are some Christians who believe that. Sad to say. It's wrong. That's not biblical, by the way. I want to say that. A good friend of mine, a wonderful gentleman, Brother Faye, years ago, we first met him and his wife. He had just been fired from his church in in Florida. Because the, the crime? He was bringing in too many sinners into the church. That's a shame. That's wrong. That's what we're supposed to do. That's right. We... Yeah, I agree. But God blessed them, by the way, that God took care of them. I should tell the rest of the story just so you know, and you can be encouraged by it. We met them right after they got fired, and then they decided to go and start a church in North Carolina, I think, from scratch. And that church flourished. When they retired, just I think last year, or the year before they finally retired, they had they were running between sixty and eighty people. And just and, and God blessed them. God bless them for their faithfulness. <clears throat> we we as Christ followers love and associate with everybody. That's one thing I've always appreciated about our church and all of you in our church. We've had some rough people coming through our doors over the years. And and time and time again, someone tells me, this place feels different. No one has been as kind as you guys have. No one has been as friendly as you guys have. I want to keep that. I want our church to have that reputation. So Levi had a party for Jesus and all these sinners were there and, 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 and the religious people complained about Jesus hanging out with these sinners. And verse 31, Jesus replied to them, The healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick do. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Here Jesus makes two points. I, as I see it, he makes two separate points. For one thing, Jesus, well, that's interesting. Um, for one thing, we're not supposed to maintain a holy huddle. We're supposed to get out and interact with people and build friendships and relationships and and, and 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 get and look for opportunities to share the gospel, to share a testimony, and, and hopefully you get the opportunity to actually lead someone to the Lord. I would love for one of you to come into church and there's somebody new with you, and you get to say, Yes, this person just gave their heart to Jesus this past week. I would love that. And I pray for that. I pray that you have that blessing. It's wonderful. It's an amazing feeling that moment when you can lead someone to Christ. There's also another uh, purpose to this comment that Jesus made. <clears throat> I came across a quote by Mark Twain it's kind of interesting. Now, Mark Twain, by the way, was never never identified as a religious man uh, by any means. But there's a story about a businessman, well known for his ruthlessness, once announced to Mark Twain... Before I die, I mean to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. I will climb Mount Sinai and read the Ten Commandments aloud at the top. I have a better idea, replied Twain. You could stay in Boston and keep them. Keep the Ten Commandments. Twain was rebuking this man's hypocrisy and self-righteousness and stress his need to start walking the truth instead of just talking the truth. People watch us. They see they're watching you. You don't think they're watching you? Don't let the devil tell you, oh, this person's a sinner. They don't care how you behave. They do care. There's probably somebody who's hoping that you do the right thing, even though they may be saying the opposite. They're watching you. They're watching to see if your talk matches your walk. Don't let the devil fool you. And here, some piece, so many people will pretend, Oh, I'm okay. I don't have any problems. I don't need to be forgiven of my sins. But if you make excuses, Jesus can't help you. Verse 33, they said to him, John's disciples fast often and say prayers, and those of the Pharisees do the same, but yours eat and drink. Now, the Christ knows that Christ's followers are being criticized. Christians being criticized is not new. Jesus had not even died on the cross yet, and his disciples were being criticized. By how they did things. Jesus said to them, You can't make the wedding guests fast while the groom is with them, can you? But the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. So that's why we now fast. We spend time fasting and prayer, seeking the Lord's guidance for his help, and waiting the day when he returns. Verse 36. He also told them a parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. Otherwise, not only will he tear the new, but also the piece from the new garment will not match the old. So the new gospel of Christ can't be mixed with the old ways, the old ceremonial laws. You can't do it. Verse 37, and no one puts a new wine into old wineskins, otherwise a new wine will burst the skins. It will spill, and the skins will be ruined. But the new wine should be put, put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants new because he says the old is better. Old habits die hard, don't they? Yeah. That's the way we've always done it. A man had a a problem with his attitude. He was kind of mean to people on occasion. And he told John Wesley, I don't mean to be that way. It's just just my nature. It's the way I am. And John Wesley looked at him and said, Well, unlearn it then because it's the way to hell. We have... The Bible tells us many. There, there's the Bible talks a lot about putting, stu- taking stuff off and putting something on. You might want to study that. It's a fascinating study. But we take off all the old stuff in our, our old life. Maybe we we lied. Maybe we we someone who lied, stole, talked bad about people. Maybe we said bad words. Maybe we. Looked look to stuff, we listen to stuff we shouldn't have. And, and we put all that away with God's help. And we put on this new life of love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Jesus makes everything better. He made my life better. If it hadn't been for Jesus, I would be either dead or in jail right now. One of the two. I am pretty certain of it. But thank God by His grace, He saved me. Let's stand. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, servantsheartchapel.org. Um, we also have a Facebook page, so you're welcome to check us out. I'd love to hear from you, prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.